we got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show Week Two Preview. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Denny Carter. Kyle Dvorak is quite literally stuck in traffic. <laughs> he made the mistake of driving to Ohio and is caught up on our nation's beautiful interstates. We have warned him many times not to go to Ohio. We have warned him over and over again not to go to Ohio. So that that is the real reason Kyle is not with us today. Uh, he is stuck in traffic, heading to a family function. So is Denny and I. We're going to be talking. Chiefs, Jaguars, Dolphins, Patriots on NBC Sunday Night Football, Ravens, Bengals, uh, 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, Lions. Those are just the games we're featuring. We're, of course, hitting every game on the slate that is not Thursday Night Football, which will be played probably before you listen to the show. But a lot to talk about, Denny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much data to pour over. Do you say data or data, by the way? What do you say? I say data. Data. I feel like I used to say data, and I've somehow been bullied into saying data. What, uh, I what mean, is correct? On the East Coast, we say data. Say, so is there a Midwestern way to say data or data? Data. <laughs> I, 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 one thing I know is that you will overthink it, is, and, would, that, and you will, you will say it both ways every time. That's, the one I underthought was Streamyard, which again I said Streamyard, <laughs> and I've been, I've been persecuted for my Streamyard beliefs <laughs> by the entire Outer World staff. You have been actually. The Supreme Court's going to need to get involved. If uh, I have Kyle no idea, I yeah, is that a joke? Is that a regional thing or is that just a me thing? Well, <laughs> I, I think I think you you use like when someone's last name is like Woodyard. I think they can be like Woodyard or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you went that. That direction. is a common. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's going on here? Uh, I mean, all along, I was right. What's go- No, 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 you weren't right. The StreamYard does not walk around. No, the CEO of StreamYard, whoever that person is, does not go around going, oh, I love my company, StreamYard. No, you better believe he says Yard. Um, Yard is just such oh. a beautiful word. Ha- has, to be, has to be a he, huh? Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Yard is just such a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> word. Yeah, that he or she... They probably say StreamYard. There you go. Uh, I can almost guarantee you they say StreamYard. Uh, you're canceled. Podcast. Right. I'm canceled for, for the yard part. <laughs> for the, right. <laughs> but tell you who is also canceled, the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't score enough points in week one. Denny Carter, it's kind oh. of a letdown game on Thursday Night Football on NBC. Thankfully, it was a close game. Uh, the Chiefs, though, are again party to this week's highest over-under, despite only producing 14 points in week one. 51 is the current total for their Jacksonville road trip. 
Denny, we will just start at the beginning here. How do we sort out the Chiefs wide receiver mess? Is there anyone we can trust in 12-team redraft? Sort of the primary format for probably most of our listeners. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to try not to get like too like DFS sicko here. But, uh, you know, MBS was the only Kansas City wide receiver in week yeah, one. Right. Cut his mic. Wait, I'm come on. I'm just MBS. The show just started and we're talking MBS three minutes into well, the show. He is the most prominent Kansas City wide receiver right now. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Uh, uh, only only receiver for the Chiefs. He ran a, a route on 70, 70% of the dropbacks. He had 48 yards while catching both of his targets. So it's it's a lot of sprinting, a lot of cardio for MBS as usual. Rasheed Rice is interesting, though, but you you have to sort of assume or hope that his uh, his, his route participation will increase. He, uh, he only had a, a 24% route participation against the Lions in week one. He was targeted on a team leading 45% of his routes, which was higher than Tony's, actually. Darius Tony, obviously a machine in the in the route commanding category. Uh, Rasheed Rice beat him there. Uh, Rasheed Rice also saw one of two end zone targets for the Chiefs. So, you know, if we can get more Rice out there, and I'm, I'm just talking about like a 50% route share, he could be really interesting. I, I, I think that I would lean in his direction here. Rasheed Rice is one of those people who... Flew under the radar kind of in like week two waiver wired articles because there were a few much higher wattage names, someone who literally drew 15 targets, yeah. Puka Nakua, but someone where I think you might feel like you're just grasping at straws. It's kind of what you have to do after week one, though. And mm-hmm. like a, a, a rookie making three catches, and I believe five targets in his first NFL game and Patrick Mahomes' offense, pretty solid real life draft capital. Like kind of feels like you have to take a flyer on that. And yeah, I would like to keep Rasheed Rice around if I have the available roster spot just to see what happens there. Cause you'd have to think the approach is going to be different in week two or the, the touch distribution, the snap distribution, the route distribution. I will say in addition to my hopelessly Midwestern pronunciation of stream yard, where I say yard, I also have KDS Denny, which is known as Kadarius Tony derangement syndrome. <laughs> and I sort of feel like that you just can't fully give Patrick Mahomes, of course, like gave him the vote of confidence. Like we're going to need Kadarius Tony for big plays. We're not giving up a Kadarius Tony at all. I feel like Kadarius Tony's not going to drop three passes again. One of which turns into a pick six and that it, it is too early to cut bait on Kadarius Tony and 12 team leagues. I did cut bait on sky Moore in a 12 team league or two where yeah. I can't just tell what his role is going to ever be in this. It's almost seems like he's like clearing out space I, I can't tell what like the plan for Sky Moore is where I still kind of feel like I know what the plan is for Kadarius Tony. I'm with you there. I, I I don't I would not cut Tony. I know I know Thursday night was super frustrating and like he probably should have had a really solid game, if not like a nuclear game there yes, without yes. without Kelsey. So I do understand uh that frustration. But I think yeah, Sky Moore is is a guy who cannot command targets, and that's a big problem. That's a huge problem, especially with a guy you may have heard of him, Travis Kelsey, coming, coming back, back to the Chiefs lineup. Uh, I've I've run the numbers, Pat, and uh, for Sky Moore, it is Jover. <laughs> Come on, something <laughs> we make it a little later into the show. No, nope, uh, no, nope, just right uh, off the bat. We're not going to explain the origin of the Jover meme, but we will tell the audience. It does mean the same thing as over. Is over, um, yes. So if you hear us saying Jover endlessly, we are declaring an end to something. Do we Do we think – are we seriously cutting Sky Moore? I did. It felt pretty hasty in a league. I have him in several leagues where I did not cut him. I did cut him in a league where I just really needed the spot. 
Yeah. And one game sample size, but it's of course also like a one season and one game sample size. And we're just one game, but it didn't look like things were any different for Sky Moore. It still seemed no. like mistake prone. Like he wasn't really adding anything other than maybe again, clearing out space for other guys to catch passes. Yeah. And if you're fantasy league awards points for that, then you, you keep them, you keep more, but uh, otherwise I, I just, I don't see in a 12 team league. I would not feel compelled to start him going no. forward. And we, hopefully we don't screw over our listeners and he blows up this weekend. It seems no, unlikely. He, he won't. He won't. Then is Isaiah Pacheco season already Jover. I'm not going to say Jover cons, but is it uh, Pacheco is someone I'm feeling yeah. I was overweight on in my uh-huh. summer drafts and uh-huh. was was not great. I mean, I, I'm not necessarily concerned about the CEH thing where he started. That felt like veteran deference to me, which I don't know why, but whatever. Uh, it was not a promise. Eight carries were, I think, 23 yards. He did catch several passes. Jarek McKinnon barely played. Yeah. Uh, can I – am I panicking about Isaiah Pacheco? Well, I mean, I, I think you, you, you drafted him – as you know, like a like a viable like top twenty four running back, not necessarily yeah. as a as a, a top twelve. So you're not going to get those numbers uh, almost ever from Pacheco because the Chiefs are so pass heavy. But yeah, I think that his uh, his pass game involvement was really encouraging. Actually, I mentioned in the in the re- regression files week two edition, which you can find on the website. Um, I mentioned really that good against, stuff. Really, really good stuff against Detroit in week one. Uh, Pacheco had. Uh, 43% route rate that's that's led all running backs, including McKinnon. He, he led McKinnon in, in routes, targets, catches, everything, right? He did. Um, and, and he had the team's lone green zone rush, green zone being inside the 10. So you, you, you add that green zone stuff with a, a decent amount of pass catching work. I, I think you can get there most weeks for uh, Pacheco. McKinnon's stuff was kind of weird. It almost felt like them like saving bullets for a veteran with a really long injury history. And maybe McKinnon like won't play much in the first like month or two of the season. I'm not, I mean, I'm projecting obviously from one, but it just felt very strange way for them to use Jarek McKinnon. It was, it was. And usually what they, they say McKinnon for like week 16 on. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So I don't know how viable that plan would be. If that were the plan, no real evidence. That's the plan. Other than the evidence being, it it was strange, but Pacheco, yeah, I drafted Pacheco to be a touchdown scoring RB two is basically yeah, why I yeah. drafted Pacheco, and like these receivers looking like they're not going to be like problems in the red zone. Someone's got to score touchdowns other than Travis Kelsey. Uh, the Chiefs had, as we've talked about on the show many times, an insanely high red zone pass rate last year. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that can't stay as high. If Isaiah Pacheco stays at like forty percent route participation, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, right. That's that's all you need, really. I mean, you you, you don't need a ton here in order for him to return value, and and, and this is a really good offensive environment. Um, you know, looking back at that Detroit game on Thursday night, the the lack of Kelsey was like a huge red flag that that game was not going to get there. So, yeah. uh, you know, and and it didn't. You know, we the Lions. The, and the and the Lions were were fine not pushing the pace. They were fine not scoring a bunch of points, right? And and I think that that's a way to beat the Chiefs if Kelsey's not there. Kelsey returning is huge for everyone. It lifts all boats, okay, including Pacheco. I think. Yeah, hope, we'll talk about it a little later. Hope the Lions scene hasn't changed and that they don't want to become like a keep away team, kind of with their lack of offensive yeah. weapons. They have more weapons than a lot of teams, but they seem like a weapon or two short. And there were some. Some signs they were maybe wanted to become a keep away team. That was probably a Chiefs only thing. But it might be. It might be. That was yeah. interesting. 
the Chiefs are opposing the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. Is it all all systems go for Travis Etienne and Calvin Ridley's usage? Ridley looked like an alpha in week one. I believe Etienne played like 80% of the snaps, so really yeah. high snap, higher than you would think when you saw Tank Bigsby vulture to touchdown, all that. But uh, kind yeah. of hard to find holes to poke in the Travis Etienne and Calvin Ridley arguments right now. Absolutely. Uh, you, you're starting both of these guys with full confidence until further notice. I mean, Calvin Ridley is like, you know, you drafted him in the third. If you were to redo drafts today, right now, he would be among the first seven or eight players off the draft board. No, 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 he wouldn't. Oh, yeah. No, he would not. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're no, taking him over C.D. Lamb. No, you're not. Yeah, really? Yeah, no, I, I'm not. I'm still you're, not. You're taking him over Garrett Wilson. You're, ta- you're definitely taking him over Devontae Adams. I don't know about that. <laughs> taking him over Garrett Wilson. But All right. Well, Devontae. any other Jags, I, by the way? Yeah, Evan Ingram's very, used to. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm very bullish. Obviously, I'm Ridley. Uh, I am too, and I have him in almost every league. I felt like trapped into taking Calvin Ridley, but he always felt like the best value after right. receiver got decimated. So I ended up with Calvin Ridley in like so many. So times. I know Tank. Big, I know Tank Bigsby had. You know, he played in his first game in the NFL against the Colts last week. He was atrocious. I mean, just completely lost. Like coaches are screaming at him the whole time. He he picks up a fumble from Lawrence and then gets it slapped out of his hand and the Colts return it for a touchdown. Like basically he doesn't know what's going on. Right. Uh And I, I just, I have the sense that the rookie is going to be punished severely for not understanding what's going on in the game. Uh, That's great for, for ETN going forward. I think the save the line for tanks, Bigsby. It is is so Jover. It's never been more Jover for a player than it is for Tank Bigsby. Uh, Cringing every time we say it. Look, uh, and and so Christian Kirk only playing in three wide receiver sets. Uh, that's not good. That's quite quite bad. Um, I don't really know what to make of that beyond you're only starting him if you're desperate. Zay Jones is still a thing. Okay, the coaches love him. He's still in two wide receiver sets. He's out there a lot. Caught a touchdown. Uh, an amazing touchdown, by the way, uh, against the Colts. So. I do think that Zay Jones is startable in 12-team leagues where you're starting three or four receivers. Natus loves Zay. We don't love Zay as much. Josh Norris loves Zay as much. But uh, I will never quote just start Zay. Fresh off jokering the entire free world with their B. John Robinson usage, Denny. The Falcons welcome the Green Bay Packers to Atlanta, Georgia as one-point home favorites. Uh, what We've already talked a lot about it, Denny. Yeah, the, the Bijan Tyler Algier thing. What's what's our current state of mind? What's our current line? What are we telling people? Yeah, on Bijan versus Tyler. Like, is that representative? Was that kind of a weird one-off in a game where they're dominating the tempo and pace of play? What is our state of mind? And again, people, I got accused of not allowing you to take a Tyler Algier victory lap. I, yeah, I don't. I thought you did, but maybe I did. But what is our current state of mind on the situation? I mean, I've been running laps around my house screaming, Tyler Algier for for four days. So, several videos where it seems like your house is much larger than you've let on. (laughs) Just like your yard. My Um, my deck uh, is is very large as well. The biggest deck in the mid Atlantic. That's right. At least. Uh, Yeah. So, I think this offense can and will revolve around the two running backs. Um, I think that Algier will probably remain the primary rushing uh, threat in, in, in the attack. And I know you don't want to hear that, but still just you know, don't know if I believe it either, but he had, I'll 15, let you he, he, he had 15 rushes to 10 for Bijan in week one. Um, but Bijan's uh, pass catching involvement was really good. Like 
that that's what I'm saying. Like, it's don't worry about it. It's not it's not like the end of the world that Algier is being used in this way. So Bijan saw six targets on 17 routes, which is unreal for for anybody, including a especially a running back. He ran seven routes from the slot, which is which is great. Um, and you know, they seem fine with checking down to Bijan or handing the ball off to Tyler Algier, and that's it. Like as long as they can can get away with it, and their their see their schedule is very soft. I think they can continue doing this. Yeah, Bijan played 64 percent of the Falcons' snaps, and. Again, we already not to take listeners too much back through stuff we've already talked about, but my current Bijan copium is we'll just see what the usage is like when they're not fully dominating the pace of play of the game. And then when they actually need to generate offense, which they've clearly determined they cannot do with Desmond Ritter, they're really going to be handing the ball off to Tyler Ajir 15 times a game. And once they get more desperate to move the ball, generate some explosive plays, that is, does not lead to a much higher carry share something we've never talked i just invented carry share uh, <laughs> for Bijan robinson but too, the one thing is we talk about though that i can't spin even remotely with tyler g handling all the carries inside the 10 yard line there's no way to spin that and that is yeah. certainly seems like they have some trust in the young man uh and then you know talking about drake london and, and pitts pitts i think you can still start because he's a tight end mm-hmm. and whatever uh I know you. I, I, what is the deal with Kyle Pitts, man? If Kyle Pitts was drafted in the fourth round, or even the, if Kyle Pitts was drafted in the second round, we'd be ranking him as the tight end like nineteen by now, and like Wait, not the mean, tight end nine. Oh, you mean the second round of the real NFL? Draft. Yeah, yeah. I've just been thinking about this a lot lately. Like if Kyle Pitts is, if he had fallen on draft day, just he's raw, he's very toolsy. Like if he hadn't been considered like a slam dunk first rounder, and he was drafted in the second round, I feel like he would be like the tight end nineteen, and no one would even like be debating it. Well, I, I'm still drafting him because I can't get over the upside and the upside concept and, you know, the air yard domination and all that. I, I, he's a tight end. And like, we need, we need people, we need tight ends out there running all the routes. If you're, if you're playing, if you know, you're playing fantasy football and you have a tight end spot, you're playing Kyle Pitts. As for Drake London, honestly, I know you'll probably push back on this. Um, I'll start, I'll start Zay Jones over Drake London. Man, no, 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 no. I, I, I just, I, I actually think it. also Drake Lennon is probably week two's premier squeaky wheel after his coach said he, he doesn't care if he gets zero catches. No, Arthur Smith came in front of the media and literally said he doesn't care. And I get the feeling Drake Lennon was like, maybe like, uh, I kind of care about that actually. And oh, I'm man. a little upset I... about that, good sir. And <laughs> I would like the ball more than uh, let me look at the box score zero times in week two so we we have a we have a head coach who takes pleasure in triggering fantasy football man he is he's sadistic okay and so this usage is not going to flip suddenly like we're not going to be next week oh well drake london came out and saw 12 targets that's not happening that's not happening he's going to see three targets max this week you're right and producer adam with the speaking of sadistic the sadistic statistic that mac hollins had four targets to drake london's one and week one, Matt Collins is another Zay Jones. Where like the second he gets on a team, the coaching staff is like Matt Collins. Like, oh, the guy can't come off the field. Well, he, he eats food with his bare hands. He said so. So they, you get, coaches got to love him. And we should have talked about that on Galaxy Brains. I didn't know that. That's really <laughs> messed up. That's really really messed up. Opposing the Falcons is the Green Bay Packers, who could be missing Aaron Jones with a hamstring injury. AJ Dillon, Denny Carter is the RB. What? Mm-hmm. If Aaron Jones sits with his hamstring issue, fifteen uh, ish, is that? Yeah, that's not. I I normally have the RB thirteen, which just feels way too high. But 
I just think the nature of the Packers offense, the indisputableness, indisputability <laughs> of what is going to be his touch dominance. Uh, I just like had it's going to be a close game. Like the Falcons aren't going to be putting this game away or anything like that. Where I feel like AJ London or AJ Dillon is getting close to certified not good, but that right. just the the touch dominance and like the touch total is just going to be way yeah. too high. Yeah, he's not he's not good, but that doesn't matter. It's no, fine. It matter I mean, actually, uh, and by the way, you know, Aaron Jones had a great day in Week One, but he didn't exactly dominate uh, pass catching stuff out of the backfield. Uh, Fifteen routes to ten routes for for Dylan. Uh, Aaron Jones saw four targets. Dylan saw three. So he it wasn't it wasn't like Dylan was completely boxed out of that um, pass catching role. And with if Jones is out, which I think it sounds like he's probably going to be out. Sounds like he's. He's very much trending towards out. Which kills my teams, man. I mean, I have three teams that are just dead in the water without Aaron Jones. So thank you for that update. Uh, yeah, but A.J. A. Dillon is a candidate for you know seven to eight targets here. A.J. Aaron, excuse me, Aaron Jones did not practice Thursday as well as Wednesday. Christian Watson is looking like he's got a shot to play, but probably still the proverbial wrong side of questionable. Do we care at all about Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed who – had interesting week ones, but it seemed like just a lot of it was dependent on like Bears coverage busts and yeah. that kind of thing. Sloppy. Tackling. So Romeo Dobbs, you know, I mean, the team said he would be limited but with with he also has a hamstring issue. He would be limited. He totally got away with it. Like he got away with it so badly uh, against the Bears. Two short touchdowns, like both of them inside the five yard line, did nothing else. Was clearly a little bit hobbled on a lot of his routes. So got away with it. You feel good if you started them, but you got a little bit lucky. Jaden Reed, on the other hand, he missed some time with cramps in that game, but he was he was impressive. Like he was, I think he was clearly the team's best receiver without Watson and with Dobbs with Dobbs dinged up. Okay, um, Reed had a thirty yard reception before missing you know a little bit of time in the second half with cramps against Chicago. Uh, he ran sixty percent of the routes of his routes from the slot and get this Pat. I have a special little stat here for the, for the folks. Um, Jaden Reed was 14th in yards per route run among all wide receivers in week one. I think if this game gets a little bit back and forth, I think Jaden Reed becomes very interesting. It doesn't seem like the Packers coaching staff particularly loves Romeo Dobbs too. And that they, they could be open to Jaden Reed persuading them that he should be the featured receiver in Christian Watson's absence. I'm, I'm interested in, in Reed in this game and Luke Musgrave. I'm not going to bore you with the details. Suffice it to say, Luke Musgrave's usage was outstanding in week one. It was, by the, this game, by the way, a 40 and a half total. Yeah, There's way too many games with those kind of totals this week. The Chargers at the Titans is not one of them, but Denny, the Chargers decided to return from their summer vacation and establish the run. They established the living hell out of it. It was over 40 rush attempts. It was only the second time in the Justin Herbert era they had ever had 40 rush attempts in a game. And the first was his first career start against the Chiefs, where he found out, you know, like while the national anthem was being sung, that he was going to start the game. So kind of understandable that they relied on the run that day. Seems to be a change in philosophy under Kellen Moore. Is there any possible way this can keep up, A, in the long term, or B, against the Titans' very leaky pass defense that just got ripped by Derek Carr and the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. I mean, the beat writers for the Chargers seem to be pretty convinced that the team wants to wants to run it, and they don't want to drop back and throw it a ton if they don't have to. Now, 
do the Titans profile as a sort of team that can force the Chargers into that sort of pass heavy game script? I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. May, I'm a little iffy. I'm a they little are very iffy. vulnerable against the pass, but yes, they are. I agree. They are. Uh, I know you're. You apparently not a fan of Josh Kelly per our conversation on Tuesday, <laughs> um, but with Eckler dinged up. I think you could do worse. I think you could do a lot worse than Josh Kelly. I think he's going to see 10 touches in this game. I think we have very little grip, by the way, on Austin Eckler is going to play in this game. He did not practice Wednesday. The practice report for Thursday will come out probably right as the show is ending. He played through the issue against the Dolphins, but that could be adrenaline. You don't usually get to play through a high ankle sprain, though. I kind of feel like he avoided the high ankle sprain. Then Austin Eckler is going to play, but... Unfortunately, all we can tell you on Thursday afternoon is keep it a lock to rotorworld.com and That's right. hunt for updates. Another ankle injury in this game is DeAndre Hopkins, who he did not practice Wednesday. He did not practice Thursday. Traylon Burks did return to practice on Thursday. I forget what his injury even was. DeAndre Hopkins, a usage monster monster in week one, seven catches on 13 targets. Is there anything more than meets the eye to the Hopkins, Traylon Burks? Burke's dynamic or is DeAndre just going to be the alpha again in Tennessee? Yeah, no, he's, I, I mean, I know, I know the, the theory was that, uh, what, what's that word that the best ball bros use? Uh, the, the, the thesis uh, of the play, the thesis of the play with Traylon Burks is that he was in fact the wide receiver one in this offense. And I am here to report taking no pleasure in saying that DeAndre Hopkins is actually the runaway wide receiver. He is already hurt, though. He's a veteran who's increasingly injury prone. He's missing a second straight practice. He's leaving an opening for the young man. Yeah, yeah. Could be a one-week wonder, hopefully, question mark. One-week wonder? Uh, Hopkins had 50% of the air yards in week one. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, he's the only game in town. Traylon barely practiced in week one. He was hurt a lot of the summer, too. Like, it could be, like, him easing into the season, maybe, Traylon Burks. Yeah, possibly. I'm not starting Burks. I have to see it. I got to see it before I start Burks. Burks is someone we we, we do need to make him just show us. Well, I I will say, uh, if Hopkins is out then you you are trying to get Burks into your lineup. If Hopkins is out, you are firing him up in redraft. But again, the Chargers pass defense. I mean, Ryan Tannehill threw three picks in week one. He, he looked ho- horrific. Terrible. But the Chargers pass defense looked as bad as ever. It's like they flipped. Like, we can stop the run now, but now we don't stop the pass at all. We forgot and how to do that. Yeah, Brandon Staley can't be good at two things at once. So we will see what happens. But, yeah, Traylon Burks definitely in the top 36, probably the top 30. If DeAndre Hopkins sits with his ankle injury again, it's Thursday afternoon. Keep it locked to rotoworld.com. For all we know, DeAndre Hopkins will be back on Friday and good to go. Uh, one of the people where we're talking about like usage and like trying to look for hope after week one, Chig Okonkwo, who I believe did what we would call donutted, where he had zero catches. But the route participation main, remained very strong. The usage overall was strong. Is he someone we throw back to the waiver wire? See. Or do we do we keep Chigo Conquo hanging around on our redraft teams? Yeah, I mean, out there for seventy five percent of the routes, um, had a long fifteen point five a dot. He, he he should have been hit for an easy walk in forty yard touchdown, but Tannehill missed him. Uh, so we would be probably singing a different tune. But but I mean, Chigo Conquo in this run heavy Tennessee offense was never going to be a guy who like gets by on like five catches for 50 yards. Like that's not going to happen. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be three catches for Chig 
And uh, maybe one of those is a touchdown, hopefully for folks who drafted him, it's a touchdown. But, he, you know, he's good, and it kind of doesn't matter because the Titan, the nature of the Titans' offense. I didn't see a single second in this game, by the way. Is is, is a Jover for Ryan Tannehill finally or not? It's uh, I have reviewed the film and I can report it is Jover. It's going to keep getting me for several weeks. So we, we have do apologize to the audience that we're going to beat this joke into the ground. I don't know. Yeah, we're we're going to run this joke into the ground, uh, but we'll do that after this break. This Sunday night, AFC East rivals do battle in South Beach, Florida, when McCorkle Jones, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots face Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. We will be watching. And do not forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. And just can't Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Dolphins-Patriots, it is our next game. It is, as I mentioned, on NBC and Peacock with coverage beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Sunday night. The Dolphins flying high off their latest game of the century. This team plays so many games of the century. Two or three against the Bills alone last year. I had one against the Ravens last year. They had one in week one against the Chargers where they emerged triumphant. They must now, though, jet from Los Angeles all the way to Boston. We are making this team fly all over this great country, uh, to face the Patriots, who were much feistier than expected against the Eagles last week. The Dolphins are narrow three-point road favorites, Denny. The Pats held Tua in check last week one. He, he was a QB 23. It wasn't like a horrible game, though. Very, very long time ago. What are the realistic expectations for Tua and this Dolphins offense, which is running so high this Sunday night? I mean, it, it gets a lot tougher, uh, I think, against the Patriots. I I don't, I don't think, I think people need to kind of tamp down their expectations a little bit for Tua coming into week two. Like, you know, it was cool to get 40 points, 40 fantasy points from him. Uh, that is not happening this week. Uh, I, I will say that the, the shootout potential for this game is maybe better than at least I would have thought, because when you, when you look at how the Patriots operated in their first game under Bill O'Brien in this new 
Bill O'Brien era. Uh, they were they were fifth. They had the fifth highest neutral pass rate. So that when the game was within within one score, they were still pass heavy against the Eagles. I think I think that's that's great news for if you if you have Mac Jones if you're using him in, in a super flex league if you're streaming him in desperation this week. Um, but also, also, I mean, it could be, it could push the dolphins and make the dolphins, uh, play faster, play more aggressive, throw more. And, and so, you know, that's good. I think that's good for all the players in this game. I guess a word of two, a caution would be one of the, the speaking of the best ball bros we brought up early in the show, uh, hammered the summer narrative, the correct narrative, the last year, the Patriots dominated bad quarterbacks. Like they faced Zach Wilson seemingly seven times last yeah. year and got dominated by good quarterbacks. It looked like that was going to remain the case in week one where the Eagles, I think it was 16 to nothing, got off to a really hot start. We're doing basically whatever they wanted, but then the Patriots really contained Jalen Hurts the rest of the game. Jalen Hurts ended up having not a great fantasy day. So it is, it's looking like a pretty tough test for Tua Tagovailoa. It is. Uh, yeah. I mean, that Patriots defense looked legit. Yeah. It did look legit. Uh, the Patriots offense looked better than it did last year. Certainly better than it did early in the game against the Eagles, where the Boo Birds were out in Gillette Stadium. They were so, so bad in the first quarter. But not a whole lot to call home about in fantasy. And is there a single Patriots receiver worth liking in fantasy right now? Kendrick Bourne was the week one winner. Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't on the field for the most important plays. Demario Pop Douglas was hyped by Patriots media all summer. He had a pretty good game. Is there anyone worth liking in this Dolphins receiver? Devontae Parker didn't play. He's questionable right. again for week two. What, if anything, do you do with the Patriots receiver core? Yeah, I mean, you know, Kendrick Bourne was the only New England receiver in week one to uh, have a have a route rate over 70%. So there was a lot of rotation going on. Uh, Demario Douglas only ran 43% of routes. Juju was in on less than 40 um, so that, that's, uh, that's not great for those guys. I would say born born is interesting here. Um, I wouldn't get over out over my skis on him at all, but, uh, born, yeah. Hey, look, when born is not in the doghouse, which he qu- quite frequently is, it's very bizarre. He, he's been good. Like he's been very productive, pretty, pretty efficient, not super efficient, but pretty efficient. And like I said, if this team continues to be somewhat pass heavy, uh, could be really good for a guy like him and, and a guy like Hunter Henry. I wanted to get Mac in like the week two streamer range. The quarterback was just a little too deep this week to do it. I have like the QB 21, but this could be one of those sneaky shootouts. It's not really a sneaky shootout. The total is approaching 47. It's getting yeah. in the, the high range and you could just, the Dolphins just could be one of those teams or even if you have a great defense, even if you play well defensively, they just pass so much that they're going to stack up some box score production and maybe get some touchdowns. And the game could, could shoot out. Uh, But we will see. Ramondre Stevenson played, I believe uh, 73% of the Patriots snaps in week one. He did seed 12 touches to Ezekiel Elliott. Seeded kind of an uncomfortable amount of targets to Ezekiel Elliott, but Ramondre had a very good pass catching day himself. Any concern with Ramondre's usage, which, was kind of just business as twenty twenty two usual for my. I mean, I think we we had huffed enough copium headed into week one where we said, okay, look, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get the short yardage stuff. He's going, he might get the goal line stuff. I, I've come to accept that, but we did not accept that Ezekiel Elliott would out target Ramondre Stevenson, which happened. Okay, and it was disastrous. By the way, 
He did not out. Yes, he did not outproduce him through the air, at least. No, but he out. But they out targeted. No, I know it's bad. Listen, there were thirteen running back targets. We would like to see them all go to Ramondre Stevenson. Instead, they were split, uh, pretty much down the middle. That's not good. No, not good at all. I just wrote on the show sheet here, Dolphins running back check-in. Raheem Mostert <laughs> did return to practice on Thursday. He's probably going to play. Salvin Ahmed did nothing in week one. Uh, Raheem Mostert, though, really did nothing in week one. A game no. had 70 combined points. Uh, is, is this already over? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I I think you're starting Mostert if you're just absolutely desperate. If you drafted a zero RB team and you're just like looking for touches, you're so he's a AKA you are starting Raheem Mostert. He's yes. He's my RB one on, on 14 redraft. <laughs> no, uh, but, but really, I mean, he's a touchdown dependent option. He's, he's not going to get there on pass catching volume. I would say he's not fully touchdown dependent since he is a breakaway big play threat. Still. He's almost like a poor man's Rashad penny or something is maybe how I would view him. Yeah. Which you don't even really want to be a rich man's Rashad Penny, I guess. Yeah. But okay. All right. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. It was Devin A. Shane. What's his deal? I wonder if he's going to play this week. Dolphins well, injury report.google. He was a healthy scratch last oh, that's week. Right. So he wasn't even hurt. That's right. Now we'll he's got shoulder. To. Was he a healthy scratch? I think maybe he technically had an injury designation. It doesn't matter. He didn't. I, I thought he was a healthy scratch. I think but. you're right that he was a healthy scratch. Also, it doesn't matter at all. Oh, we're not playing Devin A. Shane against the New England Patriots. On NBC at 8.20 p.m. Eastern. Moving on, the Buffalo Bills are being given eight and a half points at home, Denny, against a Raiders team that could be missing both Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, I think, will probably play. Waiting for a second injury report on Devontae Adams and his foot issue. I don't think he missed any time in week one. Eight and a half points feels pretty heavy for the Bills for me, considering how discombobulated they looked in week one against an elite defense. How it looks kind of surprisingly together. The Raiders looked, but these receiver injuries kind of throwing this game into chaos. Oh, I don't know. What are you what, just starts talking well, about this? Game. I will start talking. <laughs> uh, the Bills were look bad against the Jets defense that was out for blood. All right, let's just be honest. Like they they were, they were trying to put Josh Allen's head on a pike. It was their uh, Super Bowl. It was their Super Bowl, and they won. Congratulations on the Super Bowl to the Jets. They did both. Win. Um, I think he'll be fine. This Raiders, look at this Raiders secondary. It gave up the week's second highest EPA per drop back to Russell Wilson. Yeah, that was not good. Okay. So I think Josh Allen is going to go nuclear here. This is my, my, my guess. I think we're, we're going to be talking about Josh Allen the way we usually talk about Josh Allen after this game, you're starting your, your bills. I think you're even starting Gabe Davis. I know, I know, I know. Um, and and maybe Dalton Kincaid as a, as kind of a streaming uh, tight end. So yeah, I think they'll I think they'll be good. Uh, the the Myers the Myers thing is interesting. Um, three green zone targets for Jacoby Myers in Week One. One Devontae Adams not upset about it at all. One for Devontae Adams. We are mere weeks away, days away, perhaps from <laughs> Devontae Adams making his feelings known on being his own team's wide receiver too. Oh, come on, man. I'm just saying, I mean, from a priority standpoint, you know, you know, Josh McDaniels gets mad when players are good. He does. That is one of my, I, when anyone has the audacity to be good, especially before he got there. That's right. Josh so, McDaniels does not like that. Josh McDaniels wants to, wants Jacoby Myers to be a thing. And I don't know if Devontae Adams will be thrilled about that. 
Jacoby Myers probably not playing against right. the Bills. And oh, just a horrible hit, by the way. Just yeah, the like a, just a cheap shot. Like it, all the stuff, all the safety measures, all the talk about this stuff, and you still see that every single game. You saw Cardinals players tried at least three times to decapitate Sam Howell. They did. That was alarming. That was <laughs> when they were doing the same. I'm actually, actually I'm actually, I think that this will be a narrative storyline as we go through the season. Jonathan Gannon telling his players, you got to, you got to get the quarterback. If you know what I mean? I can't remember who the Cardinals defender was who did that, but I was very surprised he didn't. I think maybe Kaiser white. I was surprised yes. he was not, he was surprised he was not ejected from the game. He for the hit that he laid on the same. Are we sure we don't have any concern with Josh Allen who, Elite defense, maybe the best defense in the league, but also just a continuation of his like post elbow injury play last year, where it just seemed like back to kind of the more out of control Josh Allen, and this seems to be coming out of him more and more as they just still can't figure out who they want the number two weapon in the passing game to be. It seems like the more like uncertainty they have behind Steph Diggs, it's like the crazier Josh Allen plays. Yeah, and I I just do wonder. Right. If he's if he's if he's let himself go a little too much in the aggressiveness mm-hmm. department. Josh Allen refuses to do what Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow have done, which is to face constant like ninety nine percent too too safe too high safety looks and just check down. Josh yeah, Allen's yeah. not he's not doing it. He's not reading all that. Okay, no, like he's he's, <laughs> he, he's going to continue to let it to let it fly. And sometimes that'll work beautifully. And sometimes like on Monday night against the Jets, that will be a total debacle. So I think you just have to, as a fantasy manager, you just have to kind of take it how it comes Now, Thankfully, unlike Burrow and Mahomes, he gives you the rushing. He does. Before we exit this game, Denny, did we like what we saw from James Cook against the Jets? Pretty solid overall box score. How was the usage of James Cook? At MetLife Stadium. If you don't have any stats on this, we'll move on to the next game. Oh, I have so many. I have more stats than anyone has right now. Uh, 48% route share for for James Cook. We'd like to see that north of 60%. He caught four of six targets against the Jets. Um, Only had 12 carries. That was somewhat game script related. That that Uh, was almost encouraging in that game environment. I thought he had 12 carries. And, I mean, 18... 18 touches is uh, not not horrible for for James Cook. He also he he forced five missed tackles on those 12 carries. So I I, I think he's good. I think actually he's good. I think he'll be fine here. I was encouraged. I, James Cook, someone I really couldn't get off the fence with all summer. I was encouraged by what we saw from him week one. But on the other side of the ball, by the way, Josh Jacobs played 80 percent of the Raiders snaps. Uh, yeah. That he'll, number will probably just go up. Actually, he'll be um, he'll be fine. I have this in my regression files piece. Uh, 19 of 20 running back carries for Vegas, and he had uh, five rushes inside the 10 yard line. So, yeah, really. I mean, none of them, none of them went for pay dirt, but you know, it's good. It wasn't a meme. The Raiders coaching staff hyped Zamir White once and then immediately stopped. They, they tried when Josh Jacobs did not report. They like it was like July in between minicamp and training. Everybody like Zamir White's good. <laughs> and the second the pads went on, like the reporters like didn't even remember like ask about it. it, it management said you got to tell them Zamir White's good. They were like we can't, we can't yeah, do it. They, they did. They did stop. They did it one time. They gave one retweet and then stopped. <laughs> like we'll, we'll retweet one time that Zamir White is good. That's oh my god. Uh, they moved oh. on. Fresh off a 40 to nothing dismantling of the New York Jets, or excuse me, the New York Giants. The Cowboys are now catching nine points at home against the reeling New York Jets. How could a team that just won 
one of the best games of week one be reeling Denny Carter? It's because they're moving on from Aaron Rodgers to Zach Wilson. Uh, but I'm going to start with the Cowboys. Is it once again Jover for the Cowboys skill players in this one who posted zero fantasy production in a game? Their team won 40 to nothing because their defense and special teams is too good. Is this game strip just going to be where the Cowboys don't have to do anything? They don't have to throw. They don't have to be aggressive. And so CeeDee Lamb's not going to get home again. Tony Pollard did get home against oh, yeah. the Giants. But CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott did absolutely nothing in week one. Brandon Cooks is banged up, by the way. Yeah. But what is the Cowboys' offensive outlook in a game where they are nine-point favorites with a 38 total? Folks who drafted CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott will have to stay patient, will have to perhaps grind their molars a little bit, and just – know that there will be better days. Um, those better days will not be in week two. And, no. you know, I, unless Zach Wilson is suddenly really good, then maybe maybe they, they get there. I, I think that there's almost no chance that they get there. Now, will it be the sort of not getting there that we saw against the Giants? I don't think so. I think that they will have to do something. And, you know, maybe Dak Prescott will get, you know, more lucky around the goal line. I mean, he had at least one, maybe two touchdowns dropped by his tight ends uh, against the Giants. That would have that would have made things a lot better for people. I was them. told Jake Ferguson was good. And we, yeah, I mean, you know, he he is some, you know, Jerry Rice dropped passes and you don't complain about that. Oh, that's um, a good point. You got me. <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> gotcha. That's uh, logic to me to death. And yeah, so I, I think that you could probably, you're, you're starting CeeDee Lamb. I guess you start Dak as like, what do you have him at? I, I wouldn't put him as a top 12. I have him like QB 16 or 17, actually. Yeah. I think I settled on him as QB 17 this week. I'm pulling it up right now. I'm going to keep talking until I find it. QB 17. I have him one spot behind Daniel Jones, which I'm not a big fan of. So uh, who do you have him over Carr? I have him one spot ahead of Derek Carr. I had Carr a little higher to begin the week, but that Carr stuff in week one felt like, the Saints like really adjusted their game plan after that, which I should be happy that they did that, but it wasn't the initial plan in that game to have Derek Carr going kind of wild. And they kind of switched it up, I think, maybe after some protection issues. And I just don't know if we're going to get a repeat from Derek Carr. It was a very interesting performance from Derek Carr in the Saints passing offense. I, I was just going to, I would start Carr over Prescott. That's very fair. I, that's I, honestly something I can maybe end up changing. I added or update the rankings constantly. And that was one I've been on the fence about. Because uh, it's not just that Aaron Rodgers is out for the Jets making a shootout, not just unlikely, but impossible. It's that the Jets defense is, of course, super elite. And it is. just a horrible matchup for the Cowboys and then a horrible matchup and then what is now a horrible game environment. This is very, very hard to see how the Cowboys get home this one. It's, of course, very hard to see how the Jets get home. We talked about this one a lot earlier in the week, but what are realistic Brees Hall hopes without Aaron Rodgers? Who Brees, like, he proved, proved a point in week one, like, he was going to be the feature back with or without Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be like the, the feature. Feature is a little strong in this case because it's still going to be a two-man backfield, especially without Aaron Rodgers, where they're going to have to rely on the run so much. But just what are realistic Brees Hall hopes in this offensive environment? I think that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get maybe 12, 12 carries, maybe 15 touches overall at like the max, max, max here. In this Brees game, Hall. yes. In yes, this yes. game. And – that could be good enough. I mean, you know, Brees Hall looked incredible on Monday night. So uh, 
I think I think you can start if you drafted him in the fourth round or whatever. You probably have to start him anyway. Um, if I hear fifteen Brees Hall touches after seeing what I saw against the Bills, fifteen's enough for me definitely to get him in the top twenty-four. Which I, also, I do have him. I think it helps that Dalvin Cook looks super washed, um, yeah. and I I think I think that's that's a point in Brees's f- favor. So there, it's it's not like a situation where Dalvin Cook came out and like ripped off some runs and. You know, had the Jets coaches think, oh, well, do we just start this guy until Brees is all the way back? I think they're like, we need we need Brees Hall out there. We need we need him to produce. The good news is the Cowboys were a lot more vulnerable on the ground last they, year than they yes. were through the air. They so were. I think you, I, I don't really see any scenario where I bench Brees Hall in this game. We can, like, debate the semantics of, like, his exact ranking, but he's right on the borderline of the top 20 to me. And Brees, I was just – the two things I was worried about was Aaron Rodgers was going to just want the, the veteran who does the little things well and Dalvin Cook. And that more, though, that Brees just wasn't going to look healthy enough to be like an RB2. Or even if maybe he got RB2 level touches, he wasn't going to be healthy enough. Uh, pretty sure he's healthy enough after what uh, I saw. If game script is neutral here, the, the Jets will throw on fewer than 50% of their uh, well, yeah. They're going to throw a fewer times than Desmond Ritter, which is almost impossible to do. But right. which, real quick, get realistic Garrett Wilson hopes. I did keep him in the top 24. He, he's, I feel like he's just too good of a football player to not rank in the top 24, but it's like wide receiver 22. So, uh, yeah. Realistic hopes. Uh, I have some splits to share with, with the folks. Uh, in nine games with Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson has averaged 8.8 PPR points. Um, in eight games, this is the guy top- who produced with Mike White, and then yeah. you're going to oh. say some of the sick quarterbacks he produced with Joe Flacco, Joe but- Namath. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Uh, yes. Eight, so eight games without Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson has averaged 17 and a half fantasy points. So again, 8.8 versus 17 and a half. Um, the targets, you know, the target volume is just wildly different with and without Zach Wilson. So with Zach Wilson. Garrett Wilson's averaged 6.3 targets per game. He's averaged 11 and a half with anybody else. Um, and that's because you you cannot throw the ball with Zach Wilson under center. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And that's just a, a death knell for fantasy purposes for Garrett Wilson. Is Garrett Wilson an elite receiver? Absolutely. Does it really matter anymore? No. Not saying this is a bit. I do think the over-under for Zach Wilson starts is about two and a half. There's just there's no way a team with as high hopes as the Jets have are going to stick with Zach Wilson for much. And unless he looks like a totally different player, which zero indication that's going to be the case. I, I'd say two or three games max, this guy's going to start. And without kidding, they're probably getting ready to sign Joe Flacco. And maybe someone, maybe they could trade for Davis Mills or something like that. But they're not going to do more than two or three games with Zach Wilson because it's just not happening with Zach Wilson. Is, yeah, they, they can't do that. It's not Jover because it never began, by the way. If you're wondering <laughs> why Zach Wilson is not Jover. The Ravens and Bengals are coming off two of week one's more inconclusive appearances, Denny. Now they're squaring off in Cincinnati with the Bengals operating as three-point home favorites. Is there any real cause for concern with this Bengals offense that just looked like it had never played football in week one against the Cleveland Browns? I mean, I think it's clear that, you know, missing all of training camp and all of preseason with a calf issue that was kind of scary, that required it mattered, it mattered, it mattered. a lot. And and obviously, Joe Burrow is not 100%. I know the team won't say it, but, you you know, look, I'm a game watcher. I'm a film studier. And I can tell you, 
that Joe Burrow was not mobile at all no. in that he looked like he looked like Dan Marino's Dan Marino circa 1999. Okay. Yes. Um, so real slow to, for the zoomers, real slow. Yeah, so, uh, t- tell us something we've actually seen. <laughs> we like, okay. I did uh, watch the game 63 to seven. I watched it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Um, anyway, so, uh, if he's not right, then this Bengals offense is not right either. I will say on, on T Higgins mentioned him in the re- regression report, of course. Um, Look, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say. I'm gonna. You're gonna use the term expected fantasy points. You can't feed your children with them, but no. you can. You can look at them. Um, Thirteen expected fantasy points. He had zero against the Browns. Uh, 150 air yards against the Browns. Things will be okay. Yeah, air yards really do a good job of feeding my family, Denny. Yeah, you all these Kyle, them. all these Kyle Pitts air yards. My children say we're so full, oh, Dad. Please stop feeding us. You know, I, I'm sure that that like fantasy consumers are so sick of hearing about Kyle Pitts route participants. Has anyone ever had more air yards than Kyle Pitts either? Or an air, higher air yard share, I oh. guess we should say, than Kyle Pitts. So many air yards. It leads the history of the league in air yard share. Why did Lamar Jackson's box score look so underwhelming in week one, Denny? What was going on with the Ravens? They won the game. They covered. They won 25 to 9. They easily covered. But just the box score – except for Zay Flowers, was very, very underwhelming for the Ravens' passing attack. What was going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, Lamar was completely out of sorts without Mark Andrews out there. I think that this offense is not really designed to work without Mark Andrews. And I think Lamar was being very pretty conservative with, I don't know if that was the game plan or if that was just him, you know, in the game in the uh, season opener, just tr- trying not to blow it against Houston. I mean, that so game it was, on, was, it was on the road, right? Uh, no, it was it was at it was at home. Was it really at Baltimore? I was like just trying to get, get a road dub to begin the year. Yeah, you're right. It was in Baltimore. No, it was at yeah, it was at home. Uh, yeah. yeah and by the way, pr- producer Adam says uh, Mark Andrews li- was a limited participant in practice for the second day. In he a row. should play. He was limited all last week though, and then did not play. So and 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 so it is. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a problem for for Lamar for the whole offense if if Andrews can't go. Very huge problem. Safe to say, Zay Flowers is the wide receiver play. That's, I mean, one game, uh, one bullet point. But Odell Beckham did nothing. Rashad Bateman did nothing. Mark Andrews not being there is the really, really big wild card. But Zay Flowers looked as advertised. Looked like a first round talent. And also, a guy I made this point on a different one of our shows whose box score looked good. It would have looked even better, but he lost nine total yards on his final two catches to take his yardage total under 80. Yeah. Um, is it safe to say he's the wide receiver to play? 2.6 A dot for Zay Flowers. And here's the thing. We love that. We, say, I think we do like it. We, we love that. We love it because that means that this team is just committed to just saying, like, we're, we're just going to snap it and we're going to get you the ball and you go do something with it. And um, so he gets that kind of that floor, like it's like a floor based PPR scammy situation around the line of scrimmage. And then he can make things happen after the catch. Like we saw against Houston. I'm, I'm really excited about Zay Flyers. I know I'm not, I'm not I know it's not exactly a bold take, um, but uh, it's Jover for Baton. Uh, I will say. And uh, Odell- <laughs> is it really, is it actually Jover for Baton? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. He, he didn't, he didn't even start in this game uh Gosh. odell is out there get, getting good exercise you know cardio club the, the heartbeat up and you as, as an older guy you have to respect that i believe he was filming a peloton commercial during the yeah. game i mean he's running he's running hard out there 
Uh, but yeah, it's it's just Zay, Bla- Zay Flowers in this offense right now without Mark Andrews. Do we need to mention the Ravens backfield? Or can we just tell people to read all the stuff we wrote on RotoWorld? Yeah, we we God, we have so much analysis on the Baltimore backfield. I I, I think it's going to be Gus Edwards. Don't be I do too. Either. But the the two Justice Hill touchdowns were so fluky. Don't fluke. Don't get yeah, there. fluke comes to mind. I have do have <laughs> Gus Edwards ranked higher. I believe only is the RB thirty two. It's just it's like the same situation. The Ravens a run heavy team somehow get in every year where they cannot find any running backs to give quality touches to. So really strange situation that they find themselves back in and far, far from settled. I would say in that Ravens backfield, we got to wait for more information. The Cleveland Browns head to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with a total South of 40. What are we doing? Do you remember how to score points? Can these safeties stop being so high? Uh, stop being so high safeties. Come closer to the line of scrimmage. Please. Again, please, for the love of God, come closer to the line of scrimmage. The Browns are two and a half point road favorites. Denny, I'll start with the, only thing fantasy managers care about is the Nick Chubb pass catcher thing happening. Is it happening? Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of times we see the coaches say, Oh, we got to get this running back involved in the past game, blah, 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 all summer. And then as soon as the first whistle blows, he's nowhere to be found. Well, that, that didn't happen here. You know, he ran a lot of routes. He, he caught four passes, which is like adjusted for Nick Chubb. It's like catching 14 passes. Um, I will say the one the one kind of concerning thing would be Deshaun Watson's rushing around the goal line. Watson had a uh, a touchdown just outside the green zone. Pretty rugged carry he had, I must say. Right, and so you know that you know that's not exactly what you want to see as a Nick Chubb uh, drafter. But yeah, I mean you're you're you have a lot of confidence in him. He's going to play all the snaps. He's going to get all the high value touches. It's good. Is there any reason on the other side of the ball for Najee Harris hope where? Oof. Pretty hopeless week one. I can't. I actually don't have the snap shares in front of me, but wasn't as high as it needed to be. The touch count certainly was not as high as it needed to be. The offense probably won't be as dysfunctional as a. It probably won't be that dysfunctional every week. But playing a, a Browns defense that just looked hellacious in week one. Right. They're now missing Deontay Johnson. What is the state of Najee Harris affairs? Uh, Najee Harris actually ran more pass routes than Jalen Warren in week one, um, but. Harris saw two targets to six targets for Warren. Forget what that Warren did. Absolutely nothing with those targets. Um, and, uh, and just focus on the fact that uh, there's no path. There's just no path for Najee Harris uh, here. That, by the way, talking about neutral, what? Say it. Najee Harris. Oh, Najee. Uh, listen, I've watched the Steelers game and it, it is Jover. It is Jover. Right, we'll stop. We'll stop. Uh, after that the, one. Steelers, uh, the Steelers, the Steelers, had the highest neutral pass rate on on the week by far. So we could be looking at a pass-heavy attack. I will say this. PFF graded the Pittsburgh offensive line as the worst um, in uh, in pass protection in week one. And good luck against Miles Garrett uh, with that situation. Najee Harris, 52% of the Steelers Steelers snaps in week one. Very, very concerning. Not at all the way he damn get to get home as an RB two. He needs to be at least a 70% snap player. He has basically no prayer. if he's not playing at least 70% of the snaps considering his lack of explosion. So very, very concerning week one for Najee Harris. Quickly, any Steelers pass catcher we care about with Deontay Johnson out with the hamstring injury. I think (laughs) – I didn't. I didn't foresee myself saying this, but uh, Allen Robinson becomes interesting. He did have his most targets and yards he had had, I believe, since twenty twenty one. It was like barely. It was like one more yard. Yeah, than he had. But, but 
but I mean, it's nice to see like signs of life, you know, after not so much life recently. Um, he had uh, an 86% route share, um, you know, 7.4 a dot. So like some PPR scam situation going on there. Um, Calvin Austin is interesting in deeper leagues. You know, he saw six targets, but only played a half or was only out there for half the routes. I, I, I think, I think Robinson is probably, I'd probably play him over George Pickens, honestly. I would not. I actually would play George Pickens still pretty easily over Robinson, but I still, I don't have George Pickens in the top 30. I still have him like the 30 to 36 range. I just, Allen Robinson, George Pickens' track record is getting concerning. Allen Robinson's track record has long since been concerning. We would like to think they might try to spark George Pickens a little more this week. They're not going to be trying to spark Allen Robinson, but uh, I I don't have a great argument though. Yeah, Pickett, Pickett will, will be really uh, bullish on throwing into double coverage at George he Pickens' will. goal line. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. The Indianapolis Colts head on the road to Houston, Texas as one-point underdogs following Anthony Richardson's promising debut. Denny, we saw we wanted to see if Anthony Richardson right were maybe a little more layup passing than we were expecting in a good way, giving him some easy throws, easy looks, easy completions, and as much rushing as we wanted to see. We got what we hoped for at the rushing, a little more than we hoped for in the passing. Kind of hard to come up with negatives for Anthony Richardson's uh, NFL debut. Yeah, I mean, and it could have been way better from a stat line perspective. Like, he he was tackled at the one-yard line, one-inch line, and had to come out of the game for Gardner Minshew late in the game. So he could have been, like, an elite fantasy option in his first game against Jacksonville. I like I kind of like this game to be fun. I, th- I think I think Houston was was pretty pass heavy against the Ravens, even in neutral script. I I kind of think that this could go go back and forth. But yes, just starting Richardson, uh, we saw enough rushing. We would like to see more. I think so. He threw thirty seven times. I'm I'm not convinced the Colts want Anthony Richardson throwing thirty seven times. That inflated target volume for Michael Pittman. Not I'm not sure that that uh, volume will remain stable. Although the Colts defense is really really bad. It's really, really bad. Damian Pierce's usage, was that really, really bad in week one? Are we concerned about Damian Pierce? Definitely the box score was concerning. Was the usage for Damian Pierce concerning in week one against the Ravens? I mean, look, he only ran a route on 25% of the dropbacks. He caught two of three targets. So, you know, I mean, he saw most of the rushing uh, opportunity but what I'm saying is that he, Damian Pierce is still, like he was last year, he's still going to be game script sensitive. So you didn't draft a guy in the fifth or sixth round of your 12-team league who is who is going to be immune to game script issues. Like, that's just not happening here. Uh, you know, is is he in a good spot? He is. He is in a good spot. The, the, the Jags could have shredded the Colts on the ground if they had gotten a little more fortunate with game script things and and Tank Dell not being terrible. I'm sorry, Tank uh, Bigsby. Um, and uh, yeah, so so uh, this is a bad. It's a bad defense. Uh, I think you, you you're starting Pierce. You're starting Pierce in 12 team leagues. Yeah, the thesis of the Damian Pierce play was just that he knows ball and he's really yeah. really good at football. And it's not looking like that's going to be enough to get us home with Damian Pierce. And he's going to need some better game scripts. Wanted to mention real quick, Noah Brown. On IR, I know you're saying why? Why? Why is Denny talking about Noah Brown? Why is Denny talking about this? Why would you do this to me? But I am doing this because I think his absence could open up more routes, more snaps for Tank Dell. Uh, not Tank Bigsby, but Tank Dell. 
uh, who like barely played in week one. Uh, Noah Brown was the, the main slot receiver. I think Tank Dell takes that spot in a game with some shootout. Look, 14-team league, multiple flex spots. Get crazy. Throw Tank Dell in there. Nico Collins, 11 targets in week one. Robert Woods, 10 targets in week one. So some strong usage from the Texans' top two receivers could become a PPR scam type situation for some of these Texans receivers. Especially with Woods. Especially with Woods. Especially with we'll be right back after this. Now that the NFL season is in full swing, we have got you covered. In addition to our three Rotorol football shows a week, check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry and Bet the Edge every weekday. You can watch the Happy Hour at noon and 4 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. It is also available on the NFL and NBC Sports YouTube page. And Bet the Edge drops Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. on our NBC Sports YouTube page. Both shows are also available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Really good stuff on both those shows. Really good stuff on the Road to Road Football Show. We plow ahead into the 49ers at the Rams. Coming off of one of Week 1's most impressive performances, Denny, the Niners collide with one of the most surprising performances from the opening week when they visit the Rams. We'll start from the top. Can we trust this Rams passing attack without Cooper Cup? Saw some pretty crazy stuff in week one, including the most targets by a rookie tight end in week one this entire century from Puka Nakua. You said tight end? Excuse no, Wide receiver targets. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, wait, what? Uh, no, he's a tight yeah. end. Uh, also, he was targeted on 43% of the team's first reads. Like, that's wild. Um, so he, he has a nightmare matchup. You know, so let's not let's not get crazy here. I mean, you're not uh, you're not you're not thinking that you're starting a, a top twenty receiver in in this this particular week. But yeah, I mean, if you get if you got Naku off waivers, really you shouldn't you should have been drafting him. But if you got him off waivers, um, you can you can start him. I think in twelve team formats, uh, you know, and he can coexist. I think with Cooper Cup, who plays primarily from the slot, and Naku has been play, at least in week one played primarily from the outside. So it could be a long-term situation for him. Yeah, just really, really – Puka, I wanted him in all my waivers. I didn't get him in a lot of my waivers, but 
I just think the Puka stuff could be pretty sticky. Tutu Atwell is going to be probably a lot less sticky. He's got he's there's a volatile nature to his game, but hard not to be very intrigued by what we saw oh, from yeah. Puka Nakua. Uh, but elsewhere in the Rams offense, how over is it for Cam Akers, who basically saw Kyron Williams uh, commit a hostile takeover of that backfield? He got 22 carries. A lot of that was in closeout mode. Yeah, this this might be one of those weird situations where a game certain game plans could call for more Cam Akers, but I mean. No way we're ranking Cam Akers ahead of Kyron Williams this week. Right, right. What do we think? What is the dynamic with Cam and Kyron right now? I, I, I think Cam Akers will be annoying for people who start Kyron Williams. But we have to remember going into the 2022 season, the Rams wanted Kyron Williams to be the guy. And he got injured. He suffered like a major injury on the opening kickoff of the season against Buffalo. Um, and that just derailed everything for their backfield plans. I think, you know, they're getting back to what they wanted to do with Williams and Gakers and Williams is, is their preferred, preferred guy, uh, especially as a, as a pass catcher. So in this, in this game, I think that's important because the Rams will probably be playing from behind. Is Brandon Ayuk greater sign than Debo mm-hmm. Samuel now in this in the 49ers? Is he the wide receiver one for the San Francisco 49ers now? I, I think so. But I mean, you know, when you look at the usage and opportunity, Week one, I, I mean, Ayuk had eight targets. Samuel had seven. Debo ran six more routes than than Ayuk. Um, their target per route run rate was similar. So I, I don't know. I I, I think it's one A one B. Is that is that a, a cop out? Here? Yeah, probably not. I mean, Debo could still be the guy, but Brandon Ayuk too. The, the narrative is he's a man coverage dominator, and he got he to is. eat up the Steelers' man coverage. I believe the Rams mostly play zone. Uh, we'll see what happens. It could be a week-to-week thing, but Brandon Ayuk, I'm comfortable saying, has established himself in the top 24 on a weekly basis. I do feel very comfortable saying that. Yeah, and you're right about the zone situation. The Rams play almost exclusively zone. I think I know I don't want to get too far in the weeds here, but for Ayuk, you can get excited, more excited about him when he's playing man coverage because he's unstoppable pretty much against man. He's unstoppable against that old man coverage. So yeah. uh, we'll see what happens with the man. This is a really fascinating game. I am actually wasn't sure if I was going to be interested in this game before week one, but just with the way the Rams look with the way Brock Purdy was really like exposing the haters, including yeah. me, me. Uh, pretty excited yeah. about Rams 49ers. The Chicago Bears, Denny, were horrendous in week one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were surprising, although not to us. We were telling people all week they were going to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Justin Fields has acknowledged that he must get more aggressive after only Desmond Ritter posted a lower week one average depth of target. How how much trust can we realistically invest in this Bears offense where at least they know that can't fly again, but Man, that was week one's maybe most concerning performance, what we saw well, from the Bears offense. Yeah, what what was that report that we had where the Bears offensive performance shook? They were shaken. Uh, it did they say they were shaken. He had never – the Bears reporter Dan Werderer, Whiterer, I believe the Chicago Tribune, had never been, he said, in a locker room after week one where the team was so shaken. Like they basically were not only upset about losing, but like, like the way they lost and like basically feeling like they don't have like a – a counter punch to the way they lost. They mm. were, they were shaken. Uh, real good stuff after one game. Horrible, horrible game plan. They have Justin Fields operating like Vinny Testaverde in the pocket, like yeah. two, two, two rushes. By the way, two rushes for like fifty-four yards. 
It actually works, folks. It works when you. He had more than two total rushes, but he had nine. But you, you say like they have two like designed rushes. Two, two 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 design, two design. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. So, so he had more. Yeah, but it's just it's just a baffling. It's just a baffling situation there. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the Tampa defense is probably not not very good, and um, I don't know know about that. I I, my the reason I thought the Bucks were going to beat the Vikings is just because now the team identity is defense again. They they have some pretty talented players, and like they got into so many track meets with Tom Brady that it kind of overexposed them. But they like intercepting Kirk Cousins. I think they're going to really like sacking Justin Fields, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. So yeah, but I mean, okay. I, I think I think Fields. I think the Bucks defense can be played in twelve team leagues, but also Fields could could still could still be fine here. Um, the I, I also think the Green Bay defense may be uh, you know on the elite side. So we yeah, it's possible. To, it is probably have to. Desmond Ritter is going to be in hell. Desmond Ritter is going to be in hell. Oh so, man, uh, Ritter. Oof. There's there's a there's a somewhat decent chance he does not make it out of that game. This is not a joke in my dynasty league down pretty bad at quarterback. And for $1 this week, I added Taylor Heineke. All right. That's a, I think that's a good proactive move. I added Taylor Heineke, the bears backfield got some positive Roshan performance and cleanup time. The coaching staff is impressed. They talked him up a little bit. Cleo Herbert looked like the clear lead back though. What do you have to tell the folks about the bears backfield? Yeah, I mean, just be careful with with Roshan Johnson. You know, having a good fantasy line in Week One, um, he was out there for thirty five percent of routes, which led the the three Bears uh, running backs. Um, you know, he saw six targets on just seventeen routes. That's absolutely not sustainable. I guess the the argument would be he got a lot of garbage uh, time. But you know, have you seen the Bears? Like, there could be like four quarters of garbage time in most games. So, you know, that probably works out for Roshan Johnson, but Roshan Johnson, remember like his college profile was that of like a hyper efficient, not just runner, but pass catcher. So, you know, he should be rostered and, and I don't know if you can start him confidently, but in deeper leagues, maybe. Yeah. You can't start him confidently yet. Uh, Any general bucks thoughts Rashad white remain horribly, horribly inefficient. Oh, Terrible. Mike Evans did even with Baker Mayfield. Mike Evans remembered how to play football. Chris Godwin mostly appeared to remember how to play football. What do we tell the folks about the yeah, Bucks offense? Just real quick, the Bears defense is so terrible that I think that Rashad White could actually do something here. Um, and honestly, if he doesn't, that's I mean, it's even more of a, of a red flag. There are all sorts of red flags. Sean Tucker watch is already on in earnest, and it is to me like. Is. Uh, category five hurricane if Rashad White does not produce right. but white but white white had had a dominant snap share uh ran a lot of routes you know kind of the only game in town running back wise so it doesn't get better than this matchup for him uh hopefully he can get there does not get better in this matchup for him and he desperately has to get there otherwise it is it's Jover Rashad White it's just it just is there's not that's actually the technical term here I wasn't even trying to do the bit or the no, you weren't. No, no, no. It's just Jover if he doesn't get home against the Bears. The Saints and Panthers meet up in one of this week's many sub-40 total affairs, 39.5 points being given to these teams in Charlotte, North Carolina, Denny Carter. Uh, What would you like to talk about in this game? Interesting stuff from the Saints in week one. Chris Olave looked uh, very – he heard what Rich Rebar said on her podcast in the summer. He heard Rich Rebar truthing him. 
didn't go well for old Rich. Uh, yep. Who's the Lord? Who's the Lord now? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're Rashid coping, Shahid, right? Yeah, Rashid Shahid, big game. Jamal Williams, not a big game. I'll just what do you what what needs to be said to our audience about the Saints and Panthers? Yeah, just, just real quick. I, I do like Derek Carr in this game. Uh, the Panthers are, are going to be without J.C. Horn uh, for a long time, probably. After you heard his hamstring, you know, that that's good. Also, Derek Carr led all quarterbacks with a 27% downfield passing rate in week one. And that's like complete the complete opposite of what we saw for the Saints last year. So that, you know, I think that that kind of aggressive uh, downfield throwing could be great for, for Carr, for Olave. Carr loves it for some reason. He actually does, he does. love to throw down. He the does. Field. And, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we continue to see that. I think Carr makes for a really good – Streaming option here, Jawan Johnson makes for kind of a de- desperation tight end streaming option. I don't know what to tell you about Taysom Hill, man. I, you're just you're starting him at your at your own risk. Yeah, say so we don't even we don't talk about Taysom anymore. Actually, I'm kind of serious. We're just we're moving on. Yeah. We're on to Cincinnati, I'm, which is where Taysom will be is like a like an, a camp arm. I was to say a non roster invitee. That's a baseball term. But Taysom Hill will be – he's on to Cincinnati as a camp player. One of, the, one of the announcers in the Saints game the other day said that Taysom Hill is, quote, the greatest football player of all time. I'm not even sounds, kidding. Sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> Panthers, anything to say on the Panthers? Did you say something to the Panthers and I just wasn't listening oh, by any chance? I don't know. I don't – you know, I mean – if you draft a Miles Sanders, you probably have to start him. But Chuba Hubbard is really eating into the rushing and the pass catching stuff. It's not not a good situation. They're also going to be missing two offensive linemen, so Bryce Young is going to be in a in a bad place. I think uh, against the Saints front seven here. I, I I don't know. I honestly don't know if there's like one Panther who you can confidently start in any format. Right. No, there's no, I mean, Miles is you can start Miles Sanders as a flex, probably even an RB2 still in some leagues. But yeah, Chuba, a person of interest behind Miles yes. Sanders. Yeah, yeah. I don't, way, yeah, if you if you if you for some reason have two tight ends or two quarterbacks on your roster, drop that guy and pick up a guy like Hubbard. Uh, that that's what you do with that roster spot. Danny, earlier I kind of zoned out when you were talking because <laughs> I'm uh I'm in a a dog fight in my fantasy baseball semifinals and Michael King for the New York Yankees just didn't complete five innings today. He wasn't going to be in line for the win anyway, but bit destabilized by Michael King's rough uh, performance by the against the Red Sox. But I, I thought, I thought Otani uh, missing the rest of the season was your, was the kill shot. It, it was the Jover moment, but I've been holding on hope. Uh, he might return Friday night. If he doesn't, then it's over, over, Okay. For my team, which is named Otani (parentheses batter), how he is designated on Yahoo. He's two different players. Yeah. By the uh, way, I I'm upset that your Cardinals beat my Orioles twice. Oh yeah. yeah right? That's right. Denny Denny knows baseball. They did. Hey. We won the series. We won the series in Atlanta and Cincinnati, and then Baltimore. We're peaking at the exact right time when we're 16 games under 500 <laughs> in September. The first bad season in Cardinals history. What are you going to do about it, huh? Yeah, we're bad once. <laughs> Bad one time. Yeah, real cool. We'll see what happens next year. That's all I'm going to say. You're not upset. That's the most important. We'll see what happens next year at all you Brewers and Cubs fans. We'll see what happens next year. Uh, The Detroit Lions host the Seattle Seahawks as four-and-a-half-point home favorites. We finally get a decent total in this game, 47 points. Denny, what is the concern level for the Seahawks offense? Where would have been Geno Smith's worst game of 2022. Totally discombobulated the whole day against the Rams. I just – 
it's so weird when you add talented players, it should be a good thing. But just now with Jackson Smith and Jigba, I just wonder if there's going to be like a bit of an identity crisis in this receiver core about who needs to be featured, who should be commanding targets. What are your thoughts on the Seahawks offense after a really, really ugly week one? Uh, I mean, they they can't protect Gino. Like Gino enjoyed really good pass protection last year. I think that was a big a big part of his success, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, he's not a mobile guy. Like he he need, he needs that time. Uh, he didn't get it. Didn't get it in week one. Maybe the Rams have like a rejuvenated front seven or something. I mean, I can't name anybody from it except for Aaron Donald. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you just I think, don't know ball. That's fine. I, no, the, the, I have been told. I I was decrying two high safeties, and I was told I don't know ball. So. I know, man. Um, ball knowers really, really obsessed with the safeties being high. They love. They it. love some nothing. They love more. Yes. Why, why don't they just run the ball? Right. Which, to be fair, uh, why don't they just run the ball? No, uh, because running no, doesn't it, work. Oh, no, you got to start. It actually, you got to just run some two high busters. Someone tweeted at us the other day, and two, I actually agree. Two high buster. A two high buster is a four yard dump off to Tyreek Hill. That's what that I is. I guess. And whatever. I guess it's the same thing. Um, Sorry. Where were you? I don't know. Uh, the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Seahawks are down bad. Real they bad. Uh, I I I don't have a, like a ton of like bullish takes for, for anybody here. I mean, Ken Walker is clearly the RB one. Maybe. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so, yeah, he is. So there you go. You got that going for you. If you draft Gino was a guy. It was always going to be hard to run it back with. Yes. Probably a guy where the league maybe didn't have to like make heavy adjustments where you can maybe kind of get a grip on Gino with like one or two adjustments. Now, the Seahawks are going to have to really adjust whatever Gino adjustments are going to be thrown at them or, Always very dangerous to run it back with out of nowhere career years. Like yeah, exactly. Smith I, year. I think, I think people who went in on the Seahawks the, uh, offense are going to be in a pretty tough spot. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, you know, Metcalf. We thought this last year too. We did think this last year too. But yeah. well, I don't. I, 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 I agree with you. I'm just saying it's, we have to try to. You and I as haters have to try to remember it's one game. I don't know. I'm not even game. a hater. I'm not even a hater. I hope. I hope they're good. Uh, the Lions, I think, will win quite easily here. And uh, the, by the way, the Seahawks can't cover the slot at all, at all. Oh my so, gosh! Amon Ra, Amon Ra is going to go off, as the kids say. Love to not be able to cover the slot against Amon Ra St. Brown. Yeah. Lions backfield really quick. Jameer Gibbs only twenty-seven percent of the snaps in Week One. Nine touches. The Lions claim more is coming. Yeah, I, I, I mean. David Montgomery looked like, I don't know, David Montgomery uh, against Kansas City. Like lots of thrashing, lots of movement, but not much production. Uh, a lot Jameer of movement. Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs fell over his own feet. On yeah, what, that on was what, bad. That was the Rondale Moore special. He kept tripping. Yeah. What, what, he, what could have been a touchdown? We would have been talking totally different about this backfield. Is Jameer Gibbs like the superior option? Of course he is. He looked I, good. He looked really good. Does it good. matter? I don't know. I don't think so uh, here. I mean, he's going to rip off some explosive plays this season. It's going to be think this fun. week. I, I, th- I think the Lions uh, went with the classic, we can't let Pat Mahomes have the ball. We just got to keep running the ball, sustain drives, and they did, and they succeeded, mm-hmm. even though it looked like a wasted touch every time David Murray got the ball. I know. It really did. I mean, G- Gibbs, yeah, looked incredible, so I will I will say that much. Uh I think you can, you're definitely throwing them out there and Seahawks defense is exploitable for sure. So 
you know, I mean, you're, you're starting Laporta. You're starting. You're starting both Detroit running backs. You are. And you're yeah. starting. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Amon Ross. Yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes. Uh, I wish we hadn't given this game the short shrift what I'm about to talk about. Well, it was a 39 total. The Broncos hope to get Jerry Judy back against the Commanders. A spunky defense question mark. That's all I wrote. Uh, uh, <laughs> so they're, they're spunky folks. The energy level was trailing off at this point of the so, the show sheet. Uh, interesting game. Sam Howell did not look like the answer in week one, I must say, even though they won the game. The Broncos signs of life for sure against that Raiders defense. Like you mentioned, I thought like it, they really, really needed Jerry Judy though. They didn't have like a true explosive element in that receiver. Marvin Mims could eventually be that guy, but day two rookie making his NFL debut. They just looked like an offense that could be a lot better with one like really legit NFL yeah. receiver in it was my takeaway. And hopefully Jerry Judy is that man for week two. He's questionable. That's absolutely the takeaway because the ball was spread around Nobody saw many targets. I think Cortland Sutton led the entire team with five targets, but like eight, eight receivers or eight pass catchers were targeted in this game for Denver. Yeah. So Jerry Judy comes in. I think that he, he sees 25, 30% target share right off the bat. It'll be, I think it'll be good. You, you got to start him if he plays Um, real quick, uh, Greg Dulcich out for a while with a hamstring. hamstring He hurt last year, Adam Troutman, not good necessarily, but he is going to be running a ton of routes. And Washington, this is the same Washington defense that allowed 12 targets to Arizona tight ends last last week. I don't think you needed to add necessarily to the not good for Adam Troutman. He's not good. Um, yeah, you said no. he's not good necessarily, so you didn't need to say necessarily. Oh, no. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want people to know that like it's not like, oh, this elite guy gets a chance now. That's not the case, but... He's going to be running a lot of routes against a commander's offense. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. That just allowed eight receptions. I think I think it was eight, something like that, to Zach Ertz. It was, I believe, ten to Zach Ertz. No, I don't remember. It was a lot. There's no way. There's no way to find out. That's there that's is the no. I think it was ten targets, but yeah, there's no way to find <laughs> out. We we will quote never just find out. How how Jover is it for Antonio Gibson? Oh, it is Jover for him. I mean, I mean nothing. Nothing in the history of anything has ever been more Jover. The guy fumbles. Chris Rodriguez is getting touches in the first half against Not Arizona. A Not a good sign. Brian Robinson, again, like the clear-cut RB1. Um, you can't drop Gibson, but, man, you cannot start him this week. On the other hand, you're starting Gibson. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're starting Robinson. You're starting Robinson. And you're feeling awfully good about it from where you, you drafted him in uh, 12 team leagues. Denny, curious. You just said we're dropping Antonio Gibson, then we said we're starting. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the 80 minute mark of the podcast. Are we getting close to a world where we have to rank Jahan Donson ahead of Terry McLaurin, by the way? Or just what, yes. what's going on here? Really? Why, though? I, I, I understand why, but man, this Terry McLaurin is DJ Mooring harder than even DJ Moore. We're just, we, kept, we keep waiting for the breakthrough, and it never quite happens. We always have quarterbacks we can blame. But yeah, why why are you saying Jahan Dotson might be moving ahead of Terry McLaurin? I I mean obviously I think I think Sam Howell has shown in the preseason that he kind of prefers Dotson and uh, in week one n- nobody did anything for the Commanders but uh, Dotson was targeted on twenty percent of his routes. Uh, McLaurin was targeted on ten percent. That is un impossibly low for a guy like Terry McLaurin. So I I really. I, 
I drafted Terry McLaurin in a couple of leagues that I care about very much. And I regret it pretty much like every hour of every day. Like I, I'm I, regretting it so far, but it, it is, it is a situation where I think I should have said, why take McLaurin when I could have simply taken Dotson four rounds later? Or when, yeah, you could take literally any other player, but I don't know. One game, still a very talented player. Sam Howe, his pocket presence though, were not shining through. Oh my Arizona Cardinals. He actually looked really bad. He looked really, really bad. He looked concerningly bad. So, so the very final game, New York Giants at those aforementioned Arizona Cardinals. Giants getting four and a half points in the road. Maybe the worst team of week one. Got avalanched by the Cowboys. How do we prioritize Giants pass catchers? Or do we? I guess why would we prioritize Giants pass catchers? We're not starting any of them other than Darren Waller, correct? I mean, look, that's right. Yeah, and and Waller is is being managed like very carefully uh, with with uh, early week practices. He says that his hamstring issue will be lingering. I I just have a feeling where it's not going to end up well. Um, no, yeah, it's I mean, bad. Having a lingering hamstring injury in week two is yeah. very very bad. Uh, Paris Campbell and Darius Slayton profiled as the top two receivers, but blah, whatever. Like the Giants, if the Giants had their way, they would never never throw the ball. Like they would just they would just let Daniel Jones turn around and hand it to Saquon Barkley all the time. So uh, I I think that you're safe not caring about Giants receivers at the moment. Anything say on the Cardinals horror oh. horror show basically? Yeah, uh, Josh Dobbs. Oh. I mean, should not be starting NFL games. It's a pretty unfortunate situation he's in, and that the Cardinals skill players are in. Uh, any Cardinals uh, to say anything about whatsoever? I mean, I guess, I guess Zach Ertz. I mean, like, come on. I hate, I hate that I have to say that, but I, you know, the, the guy, the guy draws a uh, 33% target share, the highest among tight ends. You gotta, you gotta mention them. I, we're, we're legally yeah, required. I guess to. you do. I don't know. That's not on the NBC bylaws. I, you read your contract. You have to. Um, <laughs> Darn it. I never have. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lawyer. I don't know. Not know any lawyers. You're a businessman, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, re- someone who knows about the economy, read my employment <laughs> agreement for me. James Conner, five receptions for eight yards uh, against the commanders. So. There was a lot of that in week one. A lot of running backs had like five yeah. catches for 12 yards. Again, uh, just maybe just run the ball and get these safeties down by the line of scrimmage. That's all I'm saying. Uh, They're not coming no down one. to the line of scrimmage when you're tossing a three-yard yeah. pass to the running back. They don't care. No one's playing two high safeties against Josh Dobbs. So that's a good point, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I really think I really think right now this Arizona offense is just checkdowns to Ertz and Connor, which is maybe the darkest thing I've ever said in my life. It really, really is. A great way to end the show. All right. I'm really, ready for really week two, baby. Denny is ready for week two when he hosts this QA on Friday oh, no. afternoons on Road. What time is that at, Denny? It starts at one o'clock Eastern time. 1 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. Denny answers all your questions heading into the weekend. We try to answer all your questions all week on the site. There's Denny's regression files, Kyle Dvorak's stardom sit my rankings article, a lot of great stuff from Zach Kruger, Mark Garcia, Eric Samulski. Uh, Lawrence. Lawrence Jackson. The site says loaded with great content, uh, loaded with great podcasts, loaded with great video. Keep it locked to rotorworld.com. We're updating every injury. Uh, keep it locked to this podcast feed. We're, we will be back Monday morning recapping every game from week two. For Denny Carter and Patrick Darty. we'll be back later. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. Yes, 
You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. And it just can't miss tonight. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.